0: This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. All right. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week. In honor of Veterans Day this week, we have a great guest to really wrap up our day, a thoughtful one. Jake Wood is co-founder and CEO at Team Rubicon. It's a global nonprofit that he founded about a decade ago. And over that time, 125,000 Team Rubicon volunteers have responded to disasters around the globe in over 700 communities. They've raised nearly a quarter of a billion dollars for the work that they're doing. He's also author of a book, It's Once a Warrior, How One Veteran Found a New Mission Closer to Home. I already know who I want to give it to for the holidays, and Jake joins us on the phone in LA. Jake, so nice to have you here with us. Welcome to Bloomberg.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks, Carol, for uh, for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. There's a lot I want to talk about. I want to talk about your book, but I want to talk about your experience. You were in the Marine Corps. Tell me a little bit about that, and especially the experience when you came home.
1: Sure. Uh, so I, I joined the Marine Corps after college. I, I ended up enlisting in 2005 after leaving the Wisconsin. And I served in the Marine Corps from 2005 to 2009 uh, in an infantry unit. And my first tour was in Iraq in 2007. A lot of people probably remember the surge that mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. authorized there. So I was a part of the surge in an infantry battalion and later served in Afghanistan as a, as a sniper in a small sniper team in, in Helmand Valley. And, you know, these were two challenging tours. They were the two bloodiest years of, of both wars. And so you know, saw a lot of combat, and, you know, really just like many veterans, I came to that point in, in my life where I had to make a decision of whether I was going to stay in and continue fighting or whether I was going to get out, and that was a tough choice, and it's a, you know, again, it's the choice that every veteran has to make at some point, and I, I ended up deciding to get out of the Marine Corps. I was really proud of everything I'd done, but I just did not want war to define my life, and so I came home, and mm-hmm. I think like many veterans, I didn't exactly know what was going to be next. I... Figured I might go back to school and get an MBA. I thought I'd maybe come to Wall Street and work there, but about two months after I got out, the Haiti earthquake happened, and that was really the the start of Team Rubicon.
0: What was interesting too, and just in the beginning of your book, you talk about you're specifically we're talking about a friend of yours, um, Charlie, who 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 died um, over in the Middle East. You weren't there when he did, but. It it got you thinking and you realized, too, that when you came home to your family, you had a loving family, you had a loving girlfriend, and, you know, the reality you write was that those people who knew you better than anyone no longer understood you, that Iraq and Afghanistan had changed you. And I think that is so much, you know, better than anybody, that that's so much the case for veterans who go abroad, go elsewhere, and then come back home.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I think for those who've seen combat, their lives are forever marked by you know their life before war and their life after, and that doesn't have to be bad. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for some people, they struggle with you know moving on from war. They struggle coming home. I think many people also find strength in their experiences and they come back. But certainly, you know, when Charlie died, he was a marine I went through sniper school with. It was this realization for me that I, you know, I the people in my life couldn't possibly grasp that loss mm-hmm. and it was a it was a moment of clarity for me that again I, I would forever be transitioning back it would never end
0: and it made you want to do what
1: well you know it made me want to figure things out and I guess yeah. I didn't really know what that was going to be in that in that moment but when when Haiti happened I just felt compelled to help I felt like I had you know after four years in the Marine Corps I felt like I'd had you know, developed some skills and had some experiences that could help in that situation. And so, you know, we organized a team. We went down to Haiti four days after the earthquake. We did some tremendous work while we were down there. And that's really when we discovered that there was this potential to build a new model in disaster response by really tapping into the skills and experiences of military veterans.
0: And, and, And it's interesting, too, because, I mean, it's grown tremendously. And you've had, you guys have had quite an impact around the globe.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think we have built a model that is really compelling. I think when people hear about the work that we do, yeah. the common answer I get is, wow, that seems to make so much sense. I can't believe nobody really <laughs> thought of that before. Right. And that's always a good thing to hear when you're an entrepreneur. It's, it's much better than somebody scratching their head and saying, gee, I don't know. Makes that
0: no sense. That product. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fair. But uh, but but you're right. I mean, we, we've scaled to over 100,000 volunteers across the country with an affiliate in Canada. We've responded to uh, over 750 disasters and crises around the world and here in the U.S. So, I mean, this is this is disaster relief at a major scale.
0: So, Jake, um, I want to get into your book, but I also want to find out what you guys have been doing when it comes to COVID because you have been actively involved.
1: Yeah, we've been involved on all fronts, really. Uh, We were we were tracking COVID early when it was making its way through Wuhan. We were not caught flat footed. Are you surprised then? Can
0: I ask you: Are you surprised that the world kind of seems to have been caught flat-footed, especially in such a global, globally connected world that we weren't kind of more in tune to what was going on in China?
1: (laughs) Um, You you know, I I think it was a reflection of uh, you know certain leadership styles. I I think there was a tendency among some leaders to kind of stick our head in the sand and, and. kind of rely on hope as a strategy uh, versus really confronting the brutal facts of what was transpiring. I think, you know, certainly I don't know that anybody anticipated that it would be this bad when this was making its early rounds through uh, central China, but it became pretty evident, you know, at a certain point when it was you know, racing through Beijing and other major cities that, yes, this was coming. Um, and I, I was a little surprised with just how flat-footed many corporations and, you know, levels of our government were, um, you know, we reacted swiftly. We reorganized our entire uh, company to to get into the fight. And we did, you know, we did everything from surge about 10,000 volunteers into food banks across the country to support partner organizations like Feeding America to we deployed 100 medics to Navajo Nation and treated 3,000 COVID patients there. Uh, we've been operating mobile test sites throughout the West, um, screening patients for COVID, um, and just about everything in between. Um, so it's been a it's been a, a pretty challenging year for us. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we knew that Mother Nature wasn't going to care about COVID. And so we've been responding to hurricanes along the Gulf, tornadoes and floods throughout the Midwest, um, all in a COVID environment, which of course has been a, a major complicating factor.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you, like, and let's get into your book a little bit because I think what's interesting is there are organizations out there, right, that Do similar things to what you guys are doing, but what's really novel and unique and kind of heartwarming is how you work with veterans who often come back and don't have a purpose. I've been involved with um, a group called the Veterans Yoga Project, and it's a, a very similar thing of just kind of teaching veterans how to kind of cope, but also then be part of this community to help others. And I feel like that's what you're doing. You're taking veterans who maybe come back and maybe are a little bit lost, um, and trying to figure out a way to kind of get them involved and give them a sense of purpose again, and then also helping out the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we take the approach that um, we want to challenge veterans to be the best version of themselves, and we want to convince them that they are better skilled, more experienced and more capable uh, than anybody on the planet to help these communities fall in crisis. And so we don't, we don't treat veterans like the object of our charity. They're the agents of our mission. And, you know, I think that that's a really powerful way to to help somebody heal is to say, Hey, listen, your country still needs you. Why don't you get back in the game, you know, deploy down to Southwest Louisiana after a hurricane and help piece that community back together. And I think what happens is, you know, these men and women, they rise to the occasion, they did it overseas. They're going to do it here at home, but we have to ask them to.
0: Well, and I was going to say, in doing this over the last decade and then putting it down on paper and writing your book, you know, what kind of, I don't know, maybe what surprised you in this process as, as you grew it, grew the organization, got more people involved? Um, I don't know. What surprised you?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, along the way, this has been an entrepreneurial journey, just like any other company. I mean, we're a nonprofit, we rely on philanthropy, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're selling a product, we're building teams, we're having to establish processes and run IT, you know, capital projects and all of that stuff. So, yeah, you know, I think, you know, my answer to that would be any any challenge that any business leader, you know, running a, a major multimillion dollar enterprise runs into, I, I've seen, and I think maybe what's caught me most off guard, though, is, Just the frequency that disasters are happening in this country and in the world. I mean, there are literally hundreds of disasters happening in the U.S. annually. We don't hear about most of them. Right. But don't tell that don't tell that person in a small town in a rural community whose home just got knocked down by a small creek flood that her tragedy is any less serious than somebody who just got devastated by Hurricane Harvey. I mean, it's the same. Right. And so, you know, the, you know, we, we need to think outside the box for how we, we face this challenge. It's it's certainly exacerbated by climate change. We need to we need to, you know, shift our thinking and how we approach building more resilience. And that's why I think that the model we've built at Team Rubicon has been so powerful.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that, too, because I feel like this year, this year where we've been dealing with COVID, still are dealing with the pandemic. Uh, and then you layer on top of that what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis and other Black Americans. I mean, these are not, um, certainly the pandemic is a new problem, but the inequities, the injustices that have been um, laid bare are not new. They've been with us for years. And I do wonder, it sounds like the work you guys are doing, I would do wonder if if somehow we get to a better side and and from what you are seeing as you guys work around the globe, do you feel like, you know, something's different this time around and we are moving towards creating a better society?
1: Well, I I certainly hope so. I I think, you know, you you talk about how we bend that that long arc of justice, right? Uh, To a more equitable society. And and I, I think we're getting there, never at the speed that we want. One of the things that going back to what has surprised me, you mentioned racial justice, you know, from the beginning I, I, I have seen that disaster justice is racial justice. I mean, the inequities that have been driven by housing policies historically in this country are putting have put minority homeowners into highly vulnerable areas of land that are susceptible to disasters, and so they are disproportionately impacted by by disasters and they, they're also often left behind in recovery efforts. You know money flows disproportionately to to white neighborhoods from federal administration and block grants. I mean, this is well, well-researched well mm-hmm. and evidenced. And so, you know, we need to create more equitable disaster response systems as well. It's a part of that solution.
0: What do you hope someone who reads your book, what do you hope that they come away with? Because you really get into a lot of details about your experiences and and building Team Rubicon.
1: Yeah, I, I, two things really. I think the first is what a a really raw and authentic experience for a young man who went over war and experienced combat is. You know how how that you know that young man or woman really internalized the conflict that they saw. And I think the second one is, listen, this is this is a, a hard time for America right now, um, politically, uh, economically, uh, from a healthcare perspective with COVID. I think Americans are, are really lacking inspiration. I think many of them have lost hope that, uh, you know, America can come back together. And every time I see these men and women from Team Rubicon drop everything to deploy to a community they've never been to, to help people they've never, they've never met, I, I'm re-inspired by what's possible. And I, and I hope that people pick up this book and, and find themselves re-inspired and, and convinced that America's best days are still ahead of it
0: if, if we choose. Um, On that optimistic note, I really appreciate that, and thank you so much. I hope you come back and talk to us a little bit more about the work you guys are doing. Um, Would love to check in with you again. Jake Wood, he is co-founder and CEO at Team Rubicon. It is a global nonprofit. Uh, And you should check out his book, Once a Warrior, How One Veteran Found a New Mission Closer to Home. Uh, Jake, of course, joining us on the phone from L.A. And really timely considering, you know, helping out certainly veterans and then really helping out um, so many of the disasters that we are seeing, helping out in those disasters and helping those people that are impacted.